everybody. Welcome back to the Big Mark Podcast. It's me, your host, Big Mark. If it's your first time listening, welcome. If not, welcome back. Uh, like I always say, you know, depending on where you're watching and where you're listening, uh, please let everyone know and uh, give us a good rating. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that notifications and subscribe to our channel and like the video. Um, and if you ever wanted to reach out to the podcast for any reason, you know, just to let us know a topic or if there was any anything you wanted to um, to to tell us about, uh, hit us up on our DMs either on our Twitter at the Big Mark Podcast or Instagram at the Big Mark Pod. And yeah, if you wanted to donate to the podcast, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Big Mark Podcast. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, I'm super excited um, to talk about today's topic, which is Lexus on Fire. It's a band that I've always really loved. And um, actually, I, I had the opportunity to see them recently. I got their shirt on right now. And, you know, it's they, they kind of have a really cool story. And, you know, the like I said, they're a band that's that's really near and dear to my heart for sure. Um if you've never heard of the band, uh, they're a Canadian post-hardcore band, um, and they were formed in St. Catharines, Ontario, not too far away from Hamilton, uh, where I am right now. Uh, they were formed in 2001. They're kind of like in like the emo, kind of like screamo, like I said, post-hardcore genre, and I remember when I was listening to them, so I mean... I guess when their first album came out, I would have been about 11 years old. So, you know, I was probably 12 maybe or 13 when I first started really getting into them. And um, I remember my grandma, who was still alive, my machita would listen and she would, she would, she called it devil music. So again, she was, uh, she didn't know what was going on and it was like really heavy, especially compared to anything I was listening up until then. Um, but again, it was a really interesting kind of foray into that, that zone. I'll go into a little bit more of the, of their kind of, um, what, what, what made them special, but their members were George Pettit, who, who was their lead or one of the lead vocalist kind of things. He was able to, to scream with his voice and he was, a uh, kind of one half of the, uh, of, of the lead vocal job. The other half was Dallas Green and he kind of provided more of a, a nice like melodic kind of um you know more more pretty sounding voice especially juxtaposed against George's uh Dallas also played guitar and some keyboards and Wade McD- Wade McNeil played guitar and vocals and Wade was kind of in between George and and uh Dallas when he sang Chris Steele on bass and currently it's Jordan Hastings on drums uh, and the original drummer was uh Jesse uh Jesse Engelvich Engelvik probably um it so in 2001 when they formed it basically kind of came out of a out of a three three band breakup so George was in a band um and Dallas was in a separate band and their their bands kind of broke up and then Wade and Chris were also in a band together and they were kind of thinking hey like we want to keep doing this let's all let's all form like Voltron here and then they found Jesse and they put the band together uh, they named the band after the porn star and stripper Alex Fire, or sorry, Alexis Fire. Um, and I guess um, a story I heard once is when when um, she was being like introduced at, at a strip club or wherever, and the band was watching. They introduced her. Um, 
as Alexis on fire. And uh, it's it's a really, really cool, really cool band name. I guess Alexis Fire's Alexis Fire kind of came at the band, but she didn't have any legal re- recourse, which is which is really interesting. Um, the band themselves, they actually described the music as um, the sound of two Catholic high school girls in a knife fight, which is funny because that's actually the the cover of their first album. Um, and it, it, it features a couple of Catholic school, Catholic school girls, um, from the local high school, Dennis Morris, shout out Dennis Morris and, uh, and all of its alumni out there. Um, that was the uniform and it was, uh, where Dallas green went and, um, they, they used those two girls as, as, uh, models for the, for the cover of their album. And one girl's holding a knife. It's really, really good album cover. Really simple, but it's it's effective. Um, like I said, that that sound with Dallas and and George there and and Wade kind of right in the middle there was always really intriguing to me. And 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 again, it creates that interesting juxtaposition. If if you've ever heard the band July Talk, they've kind of you know with with a really nice feminine voice and then the super gravelly male voice. It's it's an interesting again. The juxtaposition is there and musically kind of what what the guys kind of get away with is is there's a lot of this like call and answer effect and and again you know it's depending on who's listening to it it's kind of hard to understand the screamo lyrics sometimes and um it's nice to have something that you can kind of also sing along to uh, that you can kind of understand a little bit more and the way Dallas sang and the way it sat in the mix it just kind of like again added added that extra level kind of of beauty and um, the 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 really cool way of looking at it is that and and when I was at the show recently I felt it there's this wall you know this noise this amazing sound and and fury and and everything that comes from the band and the drums and the bass and guitar and the heavy heavy loud music um and then George singing crazy and way going off and then having um Dallas's kind of vocals just kind of float through the mix and just kind of like feeling those spots and it's almost like this like ray of of light and hope amongst you know the thorns or whatever you know the ro- the the rose amongst the thorns if you will um again i i think that's what made them really special um especially having kind of three singers like that i was also a big fan of protest the hero which was kind of one of their contemporaries and their lead singer was able to kind of actually do both, which was actually really cool. He could scream and kind of sing melodically. Um, actually, when I was, I guess I was 17 at the time, underage, but I didn't drink, I promise. Anyway, uh, hopefully the statute of limitations is up on this, and I apologize to anyone, <laughs> but I'm telling it. Um, so I was playing Hamilton Hurricanes football at the time. I was like, like I said, 17 and my, all my teammates were like 22. Um, a, a couple of them were actually attending, attending McMaster's shout out Greg and Chase. What's up boys. Um, and we were going to go see a protest the hero show. Tremendous. Everyone loved protest. It was, you know, on rotation. Um, well, I don't even know if we got to play it pregame, but there was times where we all were listening to it and, 
Uh, they were coming to Hamilton. They were playing at Mac actually in, um, I guess it would be 1280 or whatever their downstairs John, whatever it was called, like the basement basement bar there on campus. Um, and uh, we go and we realize, fuck, it's not an all-ages show. It's 19 plus. So I'm going, fuck. And again, it's me. It's not like it's like some little kid, like as long as I have some kind of ID, I'm in. But they're checking everybody's ID. Um, but... One of my one of my buddies, Chase, he had his student ID too for Mac. So he he used that, I believe, and then I think I took his like health card or something, right? So basically we're in line. He passes it to me from behind. I get up right up to the line. I go, oh shit, I, th- I think I forgot my ID. I'm just gonna go run back to my house. I pretended like I lived in the neighborhood. And I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go back to my place and just go grab my ID. Shit, I forgot. Okay, cool. So I literally went and like, you know, jogged in a circle, went and like splashed some water on my face, waited. I was like, oh, okay, I think it's been about long enough and pretend like I I lived close. And then I ran up into the line. There wasn't really anyone waiting in the line at that point. And I ran up and I pretended like I was out of breath. So I I handed him the ID and then I bent over on my on off like over my knees like I like I was out of breath. So he couldn't actually really like look at my face. And then he was like, right on, here you go. Here's your ID. And I walk in and literally as soon as I turned the corner, the band started playing and it was fucking awesome. And uh, that was a really good show. But like I said, you know, um, protests and actually I'll get into this later because protest the hero put on such a fucking good show that night. And their bass player was really, really entertaining. Um, and, um, Amongst other bands, you know, Alexis on Fire was a very large influence um, on that Canadian post-hardcore scene, obviously with Billy, Billy Talent, too. And um, I actually saw them recently um, at the Born and Raised show in St. Catharines, which is where they're from. And Billy Talent was playing with Alexis on Fire. And it's funny because when Alexis on Fire released their first uh, self-titled album in 2002 their first tour ever was with Billy Talent. And they mentioned that during the show and, you know, it was super cool. And fuck, Billy Talent put on such an awesome show. Um, Jordan Hastings, like I mentioned, who is the, member, who is the current drummer for, for Alexis, um, he is also the drummer for uh, Billy Talent. And I knew this going to the show, I'm thinking... Who the fuck is gonna? He's gonna play. He's gonna like you know do two shows. He's gonna this drummer is gonna play two shows and like they were playing two nights back to back too. And I'm thinking, no way, this guy's gonna pass out. So I get to I get to the show and Billy Talent's already playing. I'm looking at the drummer and it's fucking Lowell Campbell, the drummer of Winter Sleep, who is legitimately my favorite drummer. Uh, currently Canadian drummer alive. Like, I, I, fuck, even like any... Honestly, I think he's, he's my favorite drummer, period. He's so good. Um, I don't know if he's the best, but I love I love his style. And um, I've always loved him in Winter Sleep since I saw him as a little kid. And he did a great job with Billy Talon. Billy, the rest of the band was fantastic, too. Um, but yeah, Billy Talon's original drummer has MS, so they, they've had to find a new drummer. But it was really cool that Lowell stepped in. It's awesome that other bands are recognizing his skill because he is fantastic. Shout out, Lowell. Um, but again, yeah, so um, 
election on fire um they actually the sorry that's their self-titled self-titled album Alexis on fire um tremendous came out in 2002 they actually played it front to back on the second night at that born and raised show in st Catharines that i was at 44 caliber love letter tremendous uh pulmonary archery another amazing amazing song um their their other album watch out which came out in 2004 so a couple years later was actually recorded at silo studios in hamilton hamilton ontario um accidents is is an amazing song uh sidewalk when she walks and it was actually really interesting um at one point alexis on fire and uh this other band from from st Catharines area niagara falls monine uh created this um created this album called the switcheroo series where Monine did a couple of Lex on Fire covers and Lex on Fire did a couple couple Monine covers. And it was great because that's how the, how I was introduced to Monine, number one. And also it's funny because when Monine covered Accidents, which is, again, a, a, a tremendous song from, from the Watch Out album, um, the lead singer Monine just sang the lyrics that George usually screams. So that was a, a way that I could finally understand what George was actually saying. So... Really, really interesting thing that they did there. And um, Monine and Lex on Fire were really tight, kind of their whole career. And um, they, you know, they were playing with them in early shows, like in church basements and stuff in, uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, another two years later, they kind of on that two year, an album every two years kind of schedule there. Uh, they came out with Crisis, which is kind of the album where I really fell in love with them. I really liked Watch Out, like the albums on there, or sorry, the songs on there. It was it it kind of got me hooked. But once Crisis came out, I I really fell in love with them. I was starting to get a little older. I was four, uh, fifteen when that came out, so I was starting to get a little older, and I was starting to understand it a little bit more. Rough Hands, a tre- tremendous song, and then this could be anywhere in the world, and. If anyone knows and is an Alexis on Fire fan, this is probably, I'd say probably one of their most like overall successful songs, like uh, uh, like whatever, generally successful, um, mainstream, whatever. Uh, mainly because it had a fucking awesome video. So again, um, you know, when I was when I was watching a lot of this. Um, or, or listening to this band, especially in 2006, much music was still a thing. And for anyone who doesn't know what much music is, it was, um, a channel, um, on, on, on basic cable that, uh, when it first came out, always played music videos. It started slowly becoming the kind of MTV of Canada and started playing like random shows and reality shows and contest things. Um, but it started off with like again VJs showing different videos. It was a radio station, essentially with DJs, but they were VJs, video jockeys, showing new music. And again, that kind of came along with what it was going down in the states with MTV. And it was just a it was a place to show all those videos. And um, you know, it was really you know, it's not that it's not an important thing now. It's still really important to have to have cool videos, and people are doing lyric videos now. But content has kind of changed a little bit. But back in the day, it was vital to have a music video with your album. That was kind of how how people listened to it. And um, This Could Be Anywhere in the World was a fucking super sick video. And it came out, and I remember... I think I remember either somehow stumbling upon, like, actually watching the 
the premiere of it or something, but I remember still the first time I was watching it, it's such a, it has just such a cool start. It's like the band is, it's like raining on the band. So they're like fucking soaked and they're, but they're playing their instruments. And there's like, you know, at one point, like George is like rising up from underwater and just like the, the cinematography of it is really, really cool. And the song is fantastic. Again, the song is really good. It's a, it's that I think where the band kind of, in crisis, I think the whole album really is their peak of, of the balance of the super heavy, with the with the nice, wonderfully melodic kind of beauty aspect of of what um, what Dallas does. Um, another two years later, they came in two thousand eight. They came out with Old Crow's Young Cardinals, which is another great album. Really interesting. Again, um, a, mature, a little bit more of a mature album coming from the boys. Uh, Young Cardinals, the, the title track was very good. And they also had another song on there called Emerald, Emerald Street, which was always kind of near and dear to my heart because it's an homage to Emerald Street, which is a street in Hamilton, Ontario, which... Uh, how do I put this lately? It's known for... Um, it's known for its working ladies. It's known for, you know, there's a couple cat on a hot tin roof, if you know what I mean. Um, it's a little bit more of a, hey, how you doing? Um, the lyric in the song is, um, uh, all the boys in the halfway houses wave to the girls of Emerald Street. And that's a big hook in the song. And it's, uh, it's poignant. But again, like I said, you know, um, very Hamilton and and a really cool really cool feel. Their bass player uh, Chris Steele's from Hamilton, I believe, uh, lived here at least, and George Pettit lived here for some time, or still does. And um, again, Hamilton's a gritty city, man. You know, it's got its up and ups and downs, and it's got uh, it's got its underbelly, like any any uh, s- small to medium sized city. Um, you know, we only have about 520,000 people, so we're not like fucking crazy huge, but we're on that weird, that, that borderline, obviously, between like a small town and a city. I mean, I think London, Ontario is around 400 or something like that. I can't remember something like that, but again, it's, it's pretty much considered a city too. So somewhere around like that 350,000 mark probably is, is, is the push. But again, Hamilton is, is, is quintessentially a city. And like I said, any city has its ups and downs and it, I always, I always liken Hamilton to kind of Canada's Pittsburgh, not only for our steel town, uh, um, vibes, but, uh, also because we kind of been shitty, you know, the city of Hamilton was, was knocked down for most of my lifetime and only for about the past 10 years or so, um, it's had, it's come up in, so to speak. And I'm happy to see it and I'm happy to be here while, while it's going up because the music scene in Hamilton is f- fantastic. Uh, Gord Downey actually said it's the best place to see live music in Canada. So, God bless. Um, also, another two years later, 2010, they dropped a sh- really short EP called Dog's Blood. They, dropped, they had some covers on there called, or one of them was by... The Midnight Oil called The Dead Heart. 
And the Midnight Oil is a really interesting band. Pretty sure they're Australian, but they they did uh, Beds Burning, which is a really cool song, which I always got confused with um, the B-52s because um, Midnight Oil also had a guy that sound like this, like, come on down to the love shack. That voice, I guess, was a thing back then. And this dude from Midnight Oil, um, you know, he, he kind of sang the same. And then they also had like the backup singers too. But the bed, Beds Burning is, is a fucking really, really good song. And um, yeah, Alexis kind of, kind of attacked it too. Um, now, right before Crisis came out, if we can kind of backtrack a little bit to 2005, that's when, that's when Dallas Green um, started his, his solo project, City in Color, which is fantastic. Shout out to my brother, Benny. Um, had a great weekend, uh, with him this weekend and he's a, he's a, he's a big city and color fan and we've always bonded over them. And again, they're really, it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing to see Dallas do that because he did everything with Alexis and it seemed like he needed a different kind of outlet with city and color to kind of explore some kind of other genres. And I can, I can very much, um, uh, understand where he's coming from because doing this whole new folk thing with Reckless Reckless Harbor, um, go check us out on Instagram. Um, Reckless Harbor is the new band I'm, I'm I'm currently with, and we're phenomenal. And we uh, or sorry, everything's been phenomenal, and I've been loving it. And I think our music's great, so go check it out. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep playing, and we're gonna hopefully be playing some more shows coming up soon. And but it's a really cool kind of more traditional folk thing. And it's a nice departure, and it kind of gives me a little bit of a different, different, you know, way to express myself. Which it was, you know, which I'm assuming what Dallas was kind of doing with City and Color, and of course, not to point out the obvious, but his name is Dallas Green, and they're called City and Color, Dallas Green. Um, the uh, the project obviously very successful. City and Colors, you know, released a handful of albums now. Um, and their, their whole, their whole career is, is worthy of a separate podcast. Um, but kind of between the success of City and Color and Alexis on Fire, uh, Dallas was, um, Dallas said he suffered from a nervous breakdown and was suffering from, um, from, from the stress. And he said, you know, Alexis was, was killing him. And, you know, so by, uh, August 5th, 2011, the band officially announced their breakup. Um, which was a super bummer. Uh, George Pettit described the breakup as not amicable at all. Um, and, uh, soon afterwards in 2012, the band, um, announced they're doing a a farewell tour. And up until that point, as much as I was an Nexus on Fire fan, I had never had a chance to see them. And uh, it was a super bummer. And as soon as I heard that they're breaking up, I was leaping at the chance to go see them. And it just so happened that uh, on December 30th, the last day, December 30th, 2012, the last day of the farewell tour, um, the show was actually going to be held at Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario. Now it is now first Ontario Center, but Cops Coliseum, as it will always affectionately be known, um, was near and dear, near and dear to any Hamiltonian's heart, but mine included. Um, 
<clears throat> so I grabbed tickets to that, and I went with my buddy Mark, and I went with my buddy Lep and, and Jordan and his brother, and my buddy Lep, shout out Lep, uh, was a fan from day one, had seen them a bunch of times, like in, like I said, in church basements, like getting after it, early, early days, and, and they were loving it. I had just had sh- shoulder surgery, um, I think in, I want to say, it would have been like at the beginning of December, um, I had, I had shoulder, my second shoulder operation. So I was in a, I was in a sling, so I wasn't going into the pit, but Lep and the boys were going in and, um, our buddy Jordy, uh, his brother came back with two different shoes from the, from the pit. So it was, it was really cool, but honestly it was, it was a life changing show. Um, you know, I was on the floor, which was, which was tremendous, but watching, those guys play their last show knowing that it was their last show. Um, they fucking played their heart out, man. And, you know, I've mentioned before and it's my, you know, Bill, Bill Hicks, where, where I really, really feel connected to Bill Hicks to play from your heart. And they played from their fucking heart, man. Every single guy there left every ounce of whatever they had in them on that fucking stage. Blood, sweat, tears, you name it. George singing his guts out at Dallas, killing it. Fucking um, Wade McNeil just blowing his voice to smithereens. Hastings killing it on the drums. And Chris Steele, man, like, fuck. He was fantastic. And he's their bass player. And a lot of bands, their bass player just kind of sits there and nods his head and does his thing. And it's great. And, you know. It, they could be fantastic. And one of my favorite players of all time, Pino Palladino, he's the master of the head nod. But Protest the Hero included and Lex on Fire with Chris Steele, these guys fucking steal the show, man. They're fantastic, energetic, all over the show, just playing to the crowd, really just making things happen. Like, it just opened my mind to, to how how you can entertain someone that way and it's by fucking giving you 110,000 percent and people people latch on to that and people see that and people feel that when you're that fucking passionate about something it's special and it was really 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 special to me um we all got like a stamp to come into the on, onto the floor and I was fucking this close to getting my first tattoo and I was just gonna get them to fucking tattoo like right over the right over the sta- uh the stamp glad i didn't because in 2019 uh the band started doing shows again um in in australia so they they started their reunion and in march uh 10th 2022 they released their their most recent uh, album otherness which is where this shirt comes from Really cool album. I love the new songs. They're like, it's like really hard um, City and Color songs almost, but also good classic Dallas, uh, good classic Lex on Fire kind of crisis where you get that good balance of the heavy and the, and the light. Um, but, you know, like I said, to really, to really kind of put a cap on everything here, um, what Chris Steele did th- that day in 2012 was totally reignited when I saw them at that board and raise tour. He was just as fucking energetic and he was just getting after it just as much. 
and it was really, really special. And in fact, you know, show Julian, I don't know if you're listening, but, um, <clears throat> I was really inspired because as much as I love Reckless Harbor and I can't wait to be playing shows more, thank God, um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm able to sing with these guys. So I'm a little bit more tethered to a microphone. So I can't really run around sprint like I'd like. So me and Jules are going to, my buddy from work, we're going to fucking, he was at the show too. Um, we're going to, we're going to probably start our own kind of hardcore band, which will be fucking super cool. Um, and again, like I said, you know, if you can find someone and I was lucky to see fucking Lowell Campbell and Chris Steele on the same night, two guys that when I watch them, they're guys that it, it, it you watch and it appears like there's no one else on the fucking stage. They're they're They capture your attention and they capture whatever magic and passion you can feel from music. These guys capture it bottle it and fucking send it right back and it's it's something that's really special and I'm, I'm privileged to ever do it and I think if there's anything I can ever say about music and about musicians is try and find someone who influences you what whatever that is whatever band you love try and find what what who those band members are you know because yeah you know, we, we live in, we live in this, um, we live in this world where, um, you know, people are on Instagram, you see them all over the place. There's influencers out there, right? You know, it, it's, it's a real thing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you can, you know, if you can find who not only influences you, but who influences those people and you can go deeper and you can go find them back in history. But if you can also find someone who influences how you want to be on stage, this goes where any, you know, any artist or anything that it doesn't have to be on stage, how you want to be in the public, public eye, whether it's visual art or anything else, you get to choose how you want to be. And if, and if you don't know where to start, you can go and find those people who influence you and fucking copy them, man. Just take little pieces from all those different people and put them together. And whatever you do, however you do it, that's going to be you. That's going to be your new shine. Don't feel like you're like, oh, I'm, I'm ripping people off. No, man. Good artists create great artists steal. And the idea is you take, you take what is out there, you put it together, you make it better. And then the next person is going to take some of that and it's going to put it together and it's going to make it better. And we're going to just keep growing and achieving new things as, um, as, as a species and a culture. And I think that's what it's all about is you got to go out there, get your influences down. Cause that's when maybe that's the thing is that you might not even know where to start, but if you go find out the, your influences and find out how they went and started, cause like I said, you know, we live in a world where there's a lot of information out there about these people. And even if there isn't, someone made a fucking write, wrote a book or it's somewhere, check an album cover, look in the liner notes, the information is out there. And if you go and seek it, and if you go and find it, you'll be amazed at how much you can learn about the artists that you've loved and how much more you can appreciate their music and appreciate what they can do. I'm super happy and I'm super excited that I was able to see those guys and I was reminiscing about this and I'm so happy my shirt came in. So I, I thought I'd, I thought I'd lay a little Lexus knowledge on y'all again, get out there. Uh, if, uh, go, go listen to some Alexis, go listen to that new album. Um, otherness, if there's anything 
that you know any cool stories about Lexus, please let me know. Check us out on our DM. Um, if, if you want to reach me at the Big Mark Podcast on Twitter or at the Big Mark Pod on Instagram. Um, if you want to if you want to give anything out to the podcast, like I said, to help keep keep the lights on, check out our Patreon, Patreon patreon.com slash the Big Mark Pod. If you like the podcast, please rate us five stars. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but it really means a lot uh, to us. Um, and again, tell a friend. If you tell one friend, uh, we'll double the podcast audience overnight. Thank you guys so much. This has been a 44 caliber podcast straight from my heart. Peace. Peace.